You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets. For this episode, we are going to discuss the magical world of a new holiday called Valentine, as well as the role of the butterfly as a symbol of love and death, as illustrated in part by Tim Burton's The Corpse Bride. If you have questions on how these things go together, then hang tight because we'll discuss it right after these messages. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. As far as I know, I'm still your host, Brandy Stark, and with me, of course, are the Stark hug pack so just be aware that any miscellaneous background noise is most likely them they've been rather hyper since the full moon and i don't know they are what they are they are my minions of the supernatural and that's just how it is anyhow to get on with this episode let me tell you first about valentine about two years ago I saw a meme that said, instead of Valentine's Day, we should have a second Halloween. And as a person who happens to love the holiday of Halloween, I tend to agree. Valentine's Day, yeah, kind of a weak holiday as far as I'm concerned, although it is based on love and death in and of itself, because of course, St. Valentine, uh, according to legend, was beaten and beheaded. 
because he was promoting marriage in the ancient Roman Empire during a time period when the Roman Emperor said there would be no marriage. So love and death, Valentine's Day, they've already got a place together. So uh, last year, uh, as faculty advisor to uh, the Environmental Society of the downtown campus, we decided to come up with Valentween, which is a mashup holiday. The rules of Valentween essentially are dark romances. So the Adams Family values, my bloody Valentine, if you're really into that really dark stuff, the corpse bride, even the nightmare before Christmas and kind of a weird triple holiday, I guess at that point it would get Christmas, uh, Halloween and Valentine's Day, but it runs along that genre. So you dress up eccentrically, combining images of love and death, right? So I do know for Valentine, I shall be wearing butterflies and skulls. Beautiful combination, you know. And uh, you give out odd candy, like gummy worms, right? So there's candy involved. You watch movies, but again, kind of the bittersweet or dark romances, and in general, you have a good time. Now, of course, we're also trying to raise a little bit of environmental awareness. So we usually tack it on to uh, an environmental issue. So this year for Valentween, when the suggestion of the corpse bride came up, I watched the movie and being an academic, thank you, I saw all sorts of symbolism. Tim Burton is absolutely a brilliant man. And just watching this, you've got the hero's journey, which we'll talk about. We've got the butterfly symbolism. We've got the crows. He's got the dance macabre, the living in the dead, bringing life and love into reality. I mean, there is just so much packed into this film. You have no idea. But I had to really narrow that focus and, and kind of stay on target. So in order to actually be able to discuss the film and to show it, I had to come up with a very strong academic lecture, which I actually really enjoy and am considering perhaps putting into a nice little article if I can scrape together some time. But I will most likely be using this as an assignment again. My students are coming to this, they better be anyway, and they've got some questions to answer. So I am going to tell you a little bit about love and death. I figure, why keep this to myself? Besides, I need to spread the word of Valentine so that others can also celebrate this holiday, which falls either on the full moon of February or on leap day, because the leap day is time between time. It's extra time. It's time that's been scraped together and added on to the year. And it actually harkens back to Julius Caesar, and we all love Julius Caesar because he was adorable and Roman. So there you go. So again, I urge you all to practice Valentine. Next year, I'll have to double check the calendar. Uh, there is no leap day like there is this year, but look for that full moon and then go out and uh, have a little fun. If you get a chance, donate a little money, maybe to an environmental charity too. You never know. We initially started playing with the idea of nobody loves you like your mother, like Mother Earth, of course. But that got a little creepy, so <laughs> we, we got to scrap that. All right, so why the butterfly? Well, first of all, just so you know, the butterfly in our environment is a pollinator, so it does play a role along with the bee and several other insect types of pollinating and pollination. So it is kind of an important insect. I do know that 
the monarch butterfly has been having some issues as of late, declining numbers, which I do recall reading about last year and the year before. However, this year, the St. Petersburg Times did publish a new article that said the monarch flocks that immigrate or migrate, excuse me, across the United States into Mexico are showing signs of rebounding, that the flock is greater this year than it has been, which is wonderful. If you are in Florida, there are a couple of native types, which include the monarch and the zebra butterfly. And of course, whenever I see the monarch, I remember Venture Brothers and the monarch, who is also now discovered that he is the son of the blue morpho, which is another type of butterfly. And he is now donning the mask of the blue morpho. The son of the blue morpho has become the blue morpho, which interestingly enough ties into the corpse bride in part because the butterfly that flies through appears to be a blue morpho, which is uh, not only an exotic uh, butterfly found in the rainforests, but it's also one of the largest butterflies. So it has really quite a presence. And of course, it's very vibrant and beautiful blue hues connected to elements of sky and sea, which from a religious or humanities perspective, always represents the eternal, like Krishna is blue because the sky is blue and the sky to us appears to go on forever. Plus there is that lovely aspect that divinity is up above us looking down and watching over us, watching us and punishing us depending on what's going on. So, okay, the butterfly in its time period is very heavily depicted through the humanities in part because we do know that humans have observed insects for quite some time. Uh, It makes sense. We interact. Uh, At one point, we were more animistic, and we were very much in tune with nature really prior to the Industrial Revolution, right? I find this interesting, and I thought this was a great quote. Some insects confer some or all of the positive attributes of immortality, resurrections, rebirth, rejuvenation, regeneration, longevity, and protection from decay. And that's by a scholar by the name of Lou. And why is that? Well, these insects, in a manner fairly similar perhaps to the snake, which sheds its skin, the snake was also thought to be an eternal creature. Uh, It would look old and kind of beaten up, pop out of its skin, bam, new looking snake, a little bit bigger, a little bit healthier, hopefully. Whereas humans, (laughs) I think the only way we get out of our skin is uh, with a chemical peel. Any other way, it's probably pretty bad, right? That harkens back to the horrors of Halloween more so than Valentine. So we do know that butterflies, along with cicadas and beetles, undergo metamorphosis, right? So they transform and they have a striking physical difference in body and actually in behavior. So for example, you go from a small, very carnivorous worm, right? Essentially a caterpillar that consumes and consumes the, if you will, the lymph stage, not quite, but you know, the caterpillar goes into the chrysalis and from the chrysalis emerges into a a being of flight, right? You go from being a worm to being static to being bound by little, right? You're no longer earthbound. The wings, of course, are beautiful, brightly colored. And a butterfly, I think, has a, we have a different response to it than we do to a worm, right? To a caterpillar. So we have been fascinated by insects for quite some time. We do know that the ancient Greeks also believed, uh, such as the Mycenaean and the Hellenistic art time periods. We definitely see butterfly representations in these art time periods. 
But they believe that the butterfly was the incarnation of the human soul. We will talk about that because of the myth of Psyche, and that's coming up in just a minute. But if you think about it, the Greek concept, of course, is going to transfer to the Christians. So even within Christianity, you have the butterfly representing those three stages, right? So the caterpillar representing our human lives, the time period within the cocoon as the cave, and then the emergence from the cocoon as something more than what you once were, uh, certainly freed of the bounds of the earth, but still corporal. So that would be the butterfly. In Egypt, it was believed that when the soul left the body at death, it was a butterfly leaving the chrysalis. So again, you kind of have that idea. And there's this wonderful piece of tomb art. Let me see if I can look at the name here. Nebamon. My accent is terrible and I apologize, but he was a uh, priest who passed away, but he, he left behind a very elaborate tomb with instructions that they were to paint scenes of him in the afterlife. And one of these scenes is him hunting, which uh, does not make me particularly happy. But as he is standing there with his bow and arrow up from the reeds of uh, the shore are birds and butterflies. And so very early depiction of the butterfly going back to 1350 BCE, right, with the Egyptians. Even more locally with the Zuni, of Native America. The butterfly was a rain being, which is pretty cool. The Zuni, the Navajo, the Hopi all depict butterflies in jewelry. And one of the neatest ways is to see what is known as the butterfly made in Kachina, which is a an embodiment of essentially the transformation into spring. So the butterfly was a hearkener of uh, kind of the spring rains that brought new life to the world. Okay. And then as we continue on, the butterfly becomes more associated with incarnations of the soul, particularly if you are from the UK area. In Ireland, the butterfly was a sign of everlasting happiness for the soul. So if someone passed away and shortly thereafter, you saw a butterfly, it was a sign of happiness. However, in the UK in general, butterflies could be souls waiting to enter purgatory or they could be souls stuck on earth, unable to enter purgatory or the afterworld. They could also be the unbaptized baby soul, which could also become a fairy, could be chased by hellhounds, not often, could merge with the ether, or could go to limbo. So these are kind of, if you will, folk myths that represent various customs. So again, remember that there's going to be a an emphasis on baptism as part of a, a salvation element for children. And if these children were not baptized in a timely manner, then their souls could not pass into heaven if the child passed away. So, you know, butterflies, kind of an interesting some sub-symbolism of that. In Scotland, if a butterfly was seen near a dying man or his corpse, it was considered good luck for it meant that he was going to have a good afterlife, particularly if you could find a golden butterfly, right? So if there's a golden colored butterfly flying near him, it was a sign of good afterlife a coming. It was also said on a very positive note that if you saw a butterfly, the first butterfly you saw during any given year, you should make a wish upon it. And in addition to that, which I do not advise, please remember this, but if you could catch the butterfly, you would also capture that luck. 
So the butterfly becomes synonymous in a way with another liminal state being, right? An entity of not only the soul, but now of hope and of luck. Butterflies are associated as well with sleep. As you know, death and sleep are considered elder and younger brothers for the ancient Greeks. There are many cultures worldwide that believe that when you slept, your soul left your body and wandered the earth and then came back in the morning, which is why there are plenty of proverbs out there that say, if you see somebody sleeping, do not wake them up suddenly, for their soul may not have time to return to the body. You're supposed to gradually wake somebody to make sure that everybody is in here. We've certainly seen the elements of ghostly visits associated with dreams, more than one, in fact, even as far back as Patroclus, who visits Achilles in the dead of night. He stands by Achilles' headboard and talks with him. Poor Achilles, he tries to embrace Patroclus and he cannot. His arms move as if they have gone through air. So, you know, you can't hug a ghost. In Burma, there is something called the Wen Lak Pia, and again, pardon my accent, which is called the soul butterfly. The soul, again, flies about while the owner is asleep. It meets other soul butterflies of other sleepers. I think that's really cool. So your little soul emerges from your body as a butterfly, flies around at night, meets other souls flying around as butterflies, and then returns to the body when it is time to reawaken. So there you go. If you see a butterfly or a moth at night, don't touch it either. It could be one of your pets, or it could be one of your friends or one of your family simply checking up on you. Who knew? On the downside, unfortunately, butterflies also become synonymous with death and bad omens. Almost everything in reality that I have ever come across when it comes to symbolism has a good side and a bad side. And so with the butterfly, if you're in the UK and you see a butterfly at night, this is not sleep. This means death is coming to you. So yeah, I'm not quite sure how to really advise you on that one. If you see three butterflies together, it's considered unlucky. You are supposed to kill the first butterfly seen during the year to avoid misfortune. Again, I don't advise that. If you are in Gloucestershire, wow, I don't know how they say these things, and you see a brown butterfly at the first of the year, this is a bad omen because you will be eating coarse brown bread, the bread of the poor people. But if you happen to see a white butterfly, this is a good omen because you will be eating the fine white bread of the wealthy. And in Scotland, and this one's a fun one, if you happen to see a red butterfly, that is the soul of a witch. And they don't tell you what to do about it. <laughs> they just, you know, I guess you don't go near them. But the red butterfly is the soul of the transformed witch flying about, I suppose, preparing to create some mischief. Now, do you remember that witch folklore did indicate that witches did transform? They could transform into all sorts of creatures. Werewolves were one, or a wolf, a cat, a rat. I've heard several different accounts of this. And so transformation into a butterfly, you know, I guess it's not outside the realm of possibility. So we're going to pick up with how this ties into the corpse bride, but we're going to do so right after these messages. Now time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. It's 
DesignerPetSweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com My Golden Retriever Sundance is a lot more playful now. She has more pep and energy than I've seen in years. Tons of energy. Petey is having fun again. He's got a shiny coat and a good healthy weight. Molly's been having four scoops a day. She pushes her little bowl all the way across the room, emptying every last single crumb. She has slimmed down and gotten this puppy look. She's got life. She's got energy. She's got stuff to give. We get asked all the time when we're at shows, how do you get your dog so healthy and shiny and glossy? D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Family will be on Dynavite for the rest of his life. Just feed your dog right. Use Dynavite. If it's working, don't quit. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back. In case you are wondering, The Corpse Bride, again, a brilliant, brilliant thing to watch for Valentin. In addition to the butterfly thing, we've already got the Dance Macabre theme. The living encounter their dead other. One of the best parts of this, there are three main characters. You have Victor, who is a young, he's a young man without a name, if you will, but he is the son of fishmongers. And so they are essentially, they built up a fishmongering empire. And so he is a wealthy, no-name family, if that makes sense. In Roman times, he'd be a wealthy plebe, right? Pre-equite class. Victoria is the daughter of a family with a name, the Blue Bloods, right? But who have no money. And so their marriage is arranged. Well, Unfortunately, he gets some cold feet, he has a bad day, he goes into the forest, does some vows, puts a ring on what he thinks is a stick, and it turns out to be the hand of a corpse, and we get Emily, right? And so one of the most poignant scenes is when the two women, Emily, who now considers herself to be Victor's bride, and Victoria, who with a name like Victor Victoria could be a reference to Ed Wood and his very infamous movie, or it could really be a connection with the idea that she is his feminine half, right? That they are two halves to a single part. But you now end up with kind of this interesting meeting with Victor in between these two women, the dead bride and the living fiance, right? In addition to that, there's lots of dancing. I do find it interesting if you do watch the movie, notice that during scenes of the dancing dead, the dead are interchangeable. They change their heads. They all look fairly familiar. There are a few that are more descript. Usually they'll have some sort of characteristic, like the lead singing skeleton will wear a hat so you can distinguish him. And yet 
his backup dancers exchange body parts, transform into instruments, etc. It's, it's a really interesting thing. And of course, if you're not familiar with the old dance macabre, I mean, the parallels are just incredible. He did a nice job with this. You have liminal state guardians. And this is like the coolest part of the movie is that Scraps, Victor's dead dog, is given back to him by Emily as a wedding gift. And he shows up as a pile of bones that becomes animated. And so he's got, you know, essentially this very loyal dog companion who's dead. What I do find really interesting is that, of course, the dog is a consistent liminal state being, hearkening back quite some time. We have Anubis, who is a jackal-headed god of Egypt, the psychopomp who leads the souls from the land of the living to the underworld. Hercules goes to the underworld and he meets and wrestles with the three-headed Cerebrus. In Zoroastrian ideology, you have something called Chinwa Bridge, which is the connection between heaven and earth, which is also guarded by dogs. And in fact, dogs are so honored for their placement as liminal state beings that in Zoroastrian belief, and this is still a living religion, you are expected to feed the dogs to honor them. In Hinduism, you have dogs that are the guardians to the gates of heaven and hell, because even in Hinduism, even with rebirth, you know, you can do one of two ways. <laughs> so if you're really bad off, you're going to have to burn off some of that karma. They do have a dog goddess called Sarama, who is the dog of the gods and the mother of all dogs. Pretty cool. So this movie not only has the dance macabre, <laughs> images of, you know, the liminal state being, you even have Victor who goes into the underworld and is himself liminal, right? So Victor follows in the path in this movie of Hercules, who goes to the underworld, Odysseus, who has to find his way home by going through the underworld and sacrificing goats and talking to Tiresias, the dead prophet, and even Aeneas, who goes to the underworld to see the souls that will be born into Rome's greatest leaders. So Victor actually very much follows in this similar pathway. It's pretty neat. Now, back to the butterfly. So we have all of this death in there. So what's the butterfly got to do with it? Well, the butterfly shows up at the beginning of the movie. Victor has it captured in a glass jar and he sets it free. And I love this because the butterfly flies through the town and it is the only color in this movie, right? Particularly the first half. It flies to the town and it flies next to my favorite character. I swear to you, if you ever watch this movie, look for the sweeper who sweeps at the, the opening credits and then look for him again in the underworld. It's his dead counterpart. So you have the land of the dead, which completely mirrors the land of the living. Awesome stuff here. It's good. So anyway, the butterfly flies through town and actually as a butterfly, it's a symbol here perhaps of transition. So you know that something is about to happen. Victor's life uh, is about to transition. He is about to meet Victoria, his bride-to-be, right? The second time the butterfly shows up in this movie is when Emily decides that she should meet Victor's parents, and they emerge from the land of the dead. And the butterfly actually flies past them as they manifest in the forest. Again, a true symbol of liminality. And I love this because when Victor is in the underworld, he's a living man in the land of the dead. And when she comes to this world, she's a dead woman in the land of the living. They are both liminal. It's like brilliant stuff. Okay, anyway. So it's also kind of interesting because there seems to be a sense of hope. 
And that is one of the modern contexts of the butterfly as a symbol of hope. And then at the very end of the movie, I'm not going to tell you quite what happens in case you haven't seen it, but there's transformation. And the end is Emily transforming into a flock of butterflies, which of course is truly putting her as a transformative element. She's no longer bound to this world. Like the butterfly, like the caterpillar that's been freed, she is going to go on to something better. It's really cool. So anyway, if you've not seen the movie as well, you might want to check out how Tim Burton did the stop motion animation. Oh my heavens, I can't believe the size and the scale of his figures. They're, you know, perhaps about a foot tall, maybe a little more. I cannot imagine the amount of patience that that would have taken. So that is your Valentine initiation. If you survived the lecture so far, you are doing well. I do actually have a couple of quick little shadow animal stories that I can pop in here and then uh, then I'll bid you adieu. So, okay, so the first story came in February, February 21st, 2016, sent by Patricia. I have a shadow story that happened a few weeks ago. I woke up suddenly from a particularly good sleep to see several shadow figures next to my bed. They disappeared almost immediately, but my attention was then turned towards a set of snarling and snapping teeth in the middle of my bed. I don't know if they were disembodied or if there was a dog attached that it was just too dark to see. The fangs, however, were very visible and may have even glowed. Thinking I was dreaming, I rolled over and fell back asleep, only to have the exact same thing happen again. I woke up suddenly once more to see shadow figures immediately disappear and the gnashing fangs in the middle of my bed. And that's truthfully one of the first stories along that, that line that I've ever gotten. So interesting. I did ask, you know, can you verify that you were awake? And she did say she was. So, okay. The other one is Black Shadow Animal My Child Sees. And that was also submitted in February. My daughter is 11 and keeps telling me she is seeing black shadows in our kitchen that look like a cat. Then she said her tablet pauses by itself. My oldest daughter says she sees a black shadow go through the wall. No one in my house smokes. It takes my breath away. I smell cigarettes all the time. I think it is my mom or dad. They smoked all of the time. My husband doesn't believe it, but he said he went to the bathroom and he saw a black shadow in the kitchen. I have not seen it. I've been in my daughter's room during the past four years, but it just feels off in there to me and I'm scared to go in there. That's where she said a black shadow walks through the wall and she keeps it dark in there. So there you go. Two submissions up on the website. If you'd like to see those, you are welcome to go to shadowanimals.homestead.com or Google Shadow Animals plus Homestead. I think it'll pop up that way. Uh, You can also see other adventures of the Spirits of St. Petersburg at www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com. We have recently undergone an upgrade to our website, and we are certainly changing things around to make it prettier, more functional, modern. So please check it out. Let us know what you think. I'm trying to think of other sites that I've got. Uh, The Paranormal Pug page is still up, and you're welcome to Google that. Otherwise, there you go. Anyway, I hope that you truly enjoy your Valentine holiday. Go up and hug somebody you love. Watch out for the Grim Cupid. Uh, That is our mascot, because he's looking for love and he is looking for you. Something to think about. Have a happy haunting.
Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.